0: Welcome, Imaginators. Sit back, buckle in, and ignite your imagination. This is the Imaginate Series Season 1, The Man with the Red Umbrella. I'm Joey Maccio, the author and creator of Imaginate. I want to start by thanking you so very much for listening. It means so much to us that you're setting aside some time to listen to our story. It makes all the work of putting the show together really worth it. If you're enjoying the show, we'd appreciate it if you shared our link on your social media accounts or directly with friends who would enjoy the show or who have kids who would enjoy the show. It would really help us out. For updates, additional content, and to become an official Imaginator, follow us on Twitter at ImaginateSeries, Join our mailing list at www.imaginateseries.com or follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash series This episode is brought to you by Junebug Baby Products. For the past few episodes, I've really touted the awesomeness of their diaper caddy if you have a baby at home, but some of you guys out there don't have a kid in diapers at present. Lucky you. So don't worry, the caddy still has plenty of utility for organization everywhere, my mother-in-law uses it in her car to hold all the stuff that is usually rolling around under the seats. Water bottles, sunglasses, coupon books, snacks, etc. It helps to have everything all in one place and in its proper place. So go check out the June Bug Diaper Caddy, sold exclusively on Amazon. Life is messy, but it doesn't have to be unorganized. And now imagine it. The man with the red umbrella. Episode 5, Robotics. Sadly, the holiday decorations came down, and Nate, Alex, and Thomas found themselves back at the black hole where all fun goes to die vortex. They called school. It wasn't that they didn't like learning. Nate liked learning very much especially in Mrs. Witten's language arts class, because he got to be creative. But it was that other part of school that they didn't do so well in, the social part. At the beginning of the year, when they became sixth graders, they graduated up to Wilson Middle School. Nate and his friends loved elementary school. There were jungle gyms, tether balls, sandboxes, swing sets, and slides. Wilson Middle School didn't have any of that. It had a few basketball courts and a large grassy field. Both were always dominated by the extremely athletic boys, who were so big it looked like they'd been held back a few times. Other than that, there was just a whole lot of blacktop and benches, where kids just sat around talking. Nate and his friends didn't like to just sit around with their free time. They did enough of that during class. So they spent their recess and lunch doing what they did best, playing.
1: It's going to blow!
0: shouted Alex. He threw a deflated football to Thomas. Thomas caught it with ease and pitched it over to Nate. Seven seconds! Nate reached out his hands, fumbled the ball, and dropped it. It's okay, I got it. The lumpy ball rolled toward the base of the giant oak tree on the far end of the field, their usual spot at lunch.
2: Get it as far away from the president as possible,
0: said Alex, jumping up and down, protecting a hero-man action figure in his hands.
2: 3
1: this seconds
0: Thomas covered his ears. Nate drew his arm back. Alex let out a slow motion. Mm-hmm. Through the football four feet. Alex and Thomas looked at the ball, then to Nate with worried expressions.
2: It's okay. We're all wearing clothes made out of bomb proof fibers. The president too. We're good. What a sissy throw ha.
0: <laughs> Nate, Alex and Thomas turned around and faced the biggest and meanest kid in school. Bruce the bully. That's what everyone called him. Bruce was at least 3 times bigger than the biggest kid in school, not even an exaggeration. And was so tough, he ate rusty nails every day for breakfast. Totally true. Rumor had it that he really should be in high school, but the teachers there were afraid of him. So, he'd been kept at Wilson. Bruce had been playing football over on the field. He apparently took a time out to come over and make fun of Nate. Bruce shook his greasy black hair out of his face and spit onto the oak tree. Nate swore he could see steam coming off the trunk as his loogie slowly ate through the bark.
1: That was the girliest throw I've ever seen! Ha 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 No wonder you play house with each other during lunch! Ha 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 ha
2: ha ha ha! Little house, house, house! Dude, we were totally playing protect the president,
0: said Alex, and he held up Hero Man.
2: Duh. Nice dolly.
0: (laughs) He snatched the Hero Man out of Alex's hands. Hey! Bruce tossed it up the hill next to the oak tree. It landed deep in some bushes. Bye-bye, dolly! (laughs) Alex mumbled under his breath.
2: It's not a dolly. It's an action figure. You know what, Bruce? Nate started
0: strong. He was going to tell him to shove off, go jump off a bridge, or something about finishing the evolution process. But he stopped cold when Bruce's ape-like stare turned on him. Bruce got in Nate's face.
1: Do I know what?
0: He grinned wide, waiting for Nate to answer. Nate had a feeling that anything he said would be stopped short with a mouthful of knuckle sandwich. Thomas stepped up to Nate's side. Being the tallest and most athletic of the three, Thomas was as close to a physical rival as they were going to produce. But it wasn't only his size that made him an obstacle. He and Bruce had a history. Old friends isn't exactly the best way to put it. They were both athletic boys, so they played a lot of sports together in elementary school and were even on the same Pop Warner football team. They spent a good amount of time together until Thomas realized Bruce was turning into a giant jerk. If Bruce wanted to eat them alive, Thomas was at least a chewy piece of meat he would have an uncomfortable time swallowing. So after Bruce considered the digestion process, he picked a more painful attack.
1: Oh no, it's g go ha 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 Are you gonna d- 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 do something?
0: Thomas did a good job at looking like the taunting didn't affect him. Nate knew it
1: did. Unfortunately, so did Bruce. Why don't you come p- 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 play a little football? We can see if you can still take
0: a hit. Since tackle football wasn't allowed at school, this was definitely a threat. Thomas stood tongue tied as Bruce made his threat a little more
2: menacing by rolling his sleeves up the tree trunks he called arms. He's busy. The president took a sudden trip to the African jungle and we have to rescue him.
0: Thomas smiled. Bruce looked at the three
2: of them. One of
0: (laughs) losers! He turned and walked away. The bell rang. Alex looked up into the bushes on the hill. We'll get him after school, said Nate. The three friends headed to class. The next day, Wilson Middle School had a special career assembly for the students. A dozen different companies set up booths in the gym to display different types of job options. Nate and his classmates walked from booth to booth, watching cool demonstrations and taking notes on the steps they would have to take to get each job when they were older. Meditech, a company that specialized in creating technology for the medical field, had a 3D interactive display of the human body. Students used touchscreens to virtually remove a kidney from a patient. It was pretty cool, though Alex thought there should have been more blood. Green Machine had a booth that taught kids about a career in renewable energy. Students took turns riding a workout bike to see whether or not they could pedal fast enough to power a model house. Thomas was the only one of the three that did. Each of the students took their notes in a notebook titled My Work, which they kept with them the whole school year. Most kids filled them up with whatever the teachers told them to write, not Nate. Nate's notebook overflowed with the works of his mind. Dozens and dozens of doodles covered the pages and margins. Blueprints for various creations, sketches of different inventions, and outlines for objects Nate had imagined covered the lined paper. Whenever a teacher saw Nate doodling, he would be reminded that the notebooks were for work, not for fun. Nate would sigh reluctantly turn the page and get back to work. Five minutes later, Nate would be back to doodling. He just couldn't help himself. On the first page, Mrs. Whitten had told the kids to write down a tagline for their notebook. Something like, Learning is fun! Or, Knowledge is the key that will open many doors! Or some other teacher-pleasing
2: phrase. Nate wrote, This book contains the ideas of my brains. They jump and shout, so I let them out.
0: Nate scribbled in his notebook as he went from booth to booth, trying hard to follow the directions by writing down the steps it would take to get each job. At the Turbo Garden booth, Nate was so focused on trying to come up with the step after Learn to Garden that he didn't realize he was standing next to the Untouchable Trio. The Untouchable Trio included the three most popular kids in school. First, there was Chris Jenkins, son of Gloria Jenkins, the acclaimed mystery float creator, though Nate still had his doubts. Then there was Jamal Beckham. Jamal was born in Africa, which automatically made him cooler than 95% of Nate's classmates, who had never even left Orange County before. He was also extremely athletic, like Thomas, though Jamal was not as quiet about it. Hands down, he was the best football player in elementary school. He wouldn't play with the middle school crowd. The story around school was that his manager, yeah, he had a manager, told him to save his moves for high school where it really mattered. Lastly, there was Heather Lane. Heather is what really made the trio untouchable. You see, Heather was a girl. A girl. No other social group in the sixth grade had yet attempted the mixed-gender circle. But the untouchable trio pulled it off. Chris and Jamal hung out with Heather, and neither of them were her boyfriend. It was middle school after all, so dating was just coming into style, and the few kids that dabbled in it now and then didn't dabble very well. Liking a girl was really the only reason for her talking with one, as far as Nate knew. Chris and Jamal had no romantic interest in Heather. That part really confused Nate. Nate had liked Heather ever since he sat behind her in the first grade. Heather had beautiful, long, blonde hair that Nate thought looked as good as candy. Soft, shimmering candy. Her eyes were bright green, like a lime jello jiggler. Her skin was smooth and milky like string cheese. These were all of Nate's favorite foods. No wonder he always drooled when he was around her. However, being around Heather also made Nate sweat, which is why when he finally looked up and saw who was standing next to him, Nate's first instinct was to walk away as quickly as possible. Nate stopped himself. This is your chance. Take it. He stood up straight trying to become a little taller than he was, which didn't help. He strained over the crowd at the presentation being given by the Turbo Garden representative, who was yammering on about enriched soil or something, and Nate tried his best to put on his most thoughtful face. He leaned over to Heather and said, in his most professionally sounding voice,
2: Enriched soil, yes, that's what I would have used. No response. Nate cleared his throat. Isn't manure fascinating?
0: Still nothing. Nate realized that each member of the untouchable trio weren't writing in their notebooks at all. They were texting. Each had the latest version of the U-phone laying on their open notebook, and they were all texting each other.
2: Uh, Is that the new U-phone?
0: The word U-phone got the attention of the trio. Chris smirked.
2: Yep. Awesome. Nate flushed with excitement. One of the untouchable trio spoke to me. This has never happened before. It's like I'm in a deep conversation with a group of movie stars. Nate went on. Those are the coolest phones ever. We know, said Jamal. Jamal Beckman just spoke to me. Probably one of the greatest athletes to ever grace an elementary school football field just spoke to me. I can't wait to get mine. Heather looked up at Nate. You're getting the new U-phone?
0: Heather's bright green eyes met Nate's, and his mind melted. All of the words of the English language he ever knew suddenly became sludge that formed together into one big gooey blob of nonsense that filled his brain. After what seemed like a very long time, longer than it should have taken someone to respond to a question, one drop of the gooey mess of words fell onto the loading dock of Nate's tongue, and before he could stop it, it slid out of his mouth. Yes. All three of the trio were now looking at Nate. Really? said Jamal. Um,
2: yes. What? No, you're not! Stop talking! But he couldn't. It's, um, in the mail. That is impossible, said Chris. The U-phone isn't even on sale yet. My dad has connections. Uh, yeah. I, no, I, I, I know. Nate sputtered out. Um, I got, uh, selected. You know, to be, a, uh... A... Uh, tester? Exactly! The Turbo Garden
0: representative stopped talking and cleared his throat. Nate became aware that there were other people in the immediate world around him. One of those people was giving a boring speech about gardening and apparently wanted Nate to listen. Nate gave him a nervous smile, and the representative went on talking. The untouchable trio turned their attentions off of Nate and back to their phones. Nate was relieved. He had just lied to the three most popular kids in school, and even though on every other day he would have died to exchange more words with them, he was grateful no further questions about his new U-phone were coming his way. Principal Harvey's voice came over the speakers and said pleasantly, Attention, students! It's time to rotate booths. He was a nice man with a nice mustache. Students shuffled around, and Nate found Alex and Thomas in the crowd.
2: Huh? There you are,"
0: said Alex. How was the g- g- gardening booth? Nate looked over at the untouchable trio who stood over by the bike-powered mini house.
2: It was, um, you know, a little scary.
0: Alex let out a loud gasp and pointed to a booth. <gasps> The largest booth in the corner of the gym belonged to Primo Robotics, Gloria Jenkins' company. Their booth was covered with pictures of their many endeavors, spaceships, deep-sea drills, and even a special robot that looked like it was disarming a bomb for the military. There is no way a company this cool would be at a middle school if their CEO wasn't the PTA president. Thomas smiled. Now this is what I'm talking about. Come on, let's get a good spot. The three boys ran over to the display. They elbowed their way through the small crowd and secured a spot front and center. The booth was one of the largest at the career fair. A row of tables created a barricade at the front. On the other side of the tables, the Primo Robotics team had built a mini arena on the ground. Large tires made up the walls of the arena. A big banner hung on the wall behind the booth that read, Control your own robot. The Primo Robotics guys all wore sleek black jumpsuits and stood in a triangle formation. The more muscly of the three stood in front. His name tag read, Stryker. Stryker looked like one of those military guys Nate always saw on TV shows. When he spoke, he immediately got the attention of the entire class.
1: Good afternoon, Stryker shouted. Out there among you is someone amazing. Nate's ears perked up. This person is going to grow up to become somebody important. They will create things that no one has ever dreamed of before. And it will change the world. Stryker looked down into Nate's starry eyes. Will it
0: be you? Nate slowly nodded his head and whispered, Yes. Stryker looked next to Alex.
1: Will it be you? Alex grinned as his head shook back and forth. Probably not. We have brought with us today two of the most advanced robots on our task force.
0: The other two men in jumpsuits stepped to the side and revealed two silver boxes on the
1: arena floor. Stryker smiled a toothpaste commercial smile. And two of you will get to control them in a race around Primo Robotics Arena. Before Stryker had finished his sentence, Every student's hand was in
0: the air. Stryker took out two remotes and surveyed the crowd. He gave one to Thomas, and the three boys gave a simultaneous... Yes! When one of them won, they all won. Stryker looked over the crowd for another student, but before he had the chance to pick one, Bruce the bully pushed his way through the crowd and snatched the second remote from him. I'll do it! It looked like Stryker thought about grabbing the remote back and making
1: Bruce do 50 push-ups. Instead, he put on an extra fake smile and said, We have our two participants! You will both guide your robot around the track. The first to the end is the winner! The track had a few obstacles
0: for the robots to go through. A teeter-totter, a tunnel, and a tabletop ramp. It didn't look too difficult in Nate's opinion, but the challenge would be beating Bruce. If anyone could do it, it would be Thomas. He had the best hand-eye coordination of the three of them. While they might get pummeled to death by a sore loser with boulders for fists, the satisfaction of beating Bruce at something was worth the risk. Stryker raised his hand. Release the robots. The two men in jumpsuits each grabbed a box. Before they could lift them, Nate's mind raced with possibilities.
2: These are the most advanced robots on their task force They must be absolutely legit It's hard to believe they could be contained in such small boxes They could probably transform into much bigger machines How many legs are they gonna have? Would five be one too many? we just right Of course they wouldn't have brought a weaponized machine to school But they probably replaced the missiles with something cool like silly string or foam That hardened to hold your enemy into place Either way, one thing is certain They're going to be epic the two men in jumpsuits removed the
0: boxes. On the ground sat two very unepic machines. They looked more like rinky- dink remote-controlled cars with their frames removed than robots. Four wheels attached to a square metal body. Sure, there was no cover on it, and you can see the working gears inside, but other than that, they were really nothing special. Nate's hope that maybe they would be superpowered was quickly demolished. When Stryker blew his whistle and the race began, the robots moved very slowly. Nate could visibly see the frustration growing in Bruce's face as he tried to will his robot to go faster, shaking his remote control up and down.
1: Go faster,
0: Bruce said angrily under his breath, almost as if his bullying would have any effect on the
2: little machine.
0: Alex leaned over to Nate and whispered,
2: I got a cheap RC car last Christmas that went faster than this. Despite
0: the slow speed, Thomas guided the robot with precision around the track, over the teeter-totter, through the tunnel, and up the tabletop ramp. Bruce spent most of the time trying to ram Thomas's robot with his own. <laughs> but the snail's pace made it a worthless effort. The race ended when Bruce put down his remote control out of boredom and walked away. We have our winner, announced Stryker, who still sounded way too excited given that
1: one of his contestants just quit. The field of robotics is always changing and growing. By the time most of you are old enough to enter the workforce, robotics will be even cooler than you saw today.
2: That wouldn't be hard,
1: said Alex quietly. Now use your notebooks to record what changes you might bring to the robotics field. And who knows, maybe one day those ideas will become reality. Even though the display was less
0: than awesome, Nate had to admit that Stryker really got him with that last line. Nate opened his notebook to an empty page.
2: What changes would I make to this robot? Well, almost everything. And Nate started drawing. First off... A robot has to look cooler than that little tinker toy. A great robot looks part human. Everybody knows that. With extending arms and claw-like hands, that could grab stuff. The bottom half would be more machine than person. With one wheel, the robot balanced on. A miniature monster truck wheel. That way, no terrain could stop it. And of course, it could go fast. Really fast. The robot's head would be a dome that could spin all the way around. With his eyes made out of camera lenses and teeth made out of square panels of light. On the robot's its torso, there would be a door to a storage compartment where the robot could carry things like action figures, small electronics, or money. If I ever get any, to control it, you wouldn't need a remote. Even though Bruce the bully is a halfwit, he had the right idea when he tried to talk to his slow little car. The robot should be voice controlled. My robot would only respond to my voice, of course, and it would be made out of impenetrable metal, so it would be virtually indestructible.
0: Nate's pencil scurried across the page as he finished the final touches. He looked down at his drawing. Almost perfect. It was missing something, though. A name. Nate believed all good inventions should have a good name. He studied his drawing. The robot had hands perfect for grabbing things, a place to hide things, and speed for quick escapes. Got it! Nate wrote the name in big block letters above the picture. Since the robot was perfect for stealing things from Nate's enemies, He would be called the Robo-Robber. A loud thud came from the corner of the gym, behind the Primo Robotics booth. Nate and his classmates looked up from their journals. Nothing happened, so after a moment or two, everyone went back to writing. The Primo Robotics banner that hung on the gym wall behind the booth fell to the floor. I thought you said that sign was secure, Stryker said to one of the men in jumpsuits. I'll get it. Said Nate. Without waiting for a response, Nate shimmied his little body into the opening between the booths. If they appreciated his help, maybe they'd take a look at his design. As Nate squeezed through the small space, he heard the sound of clanking metal. He emerged behind the booths into the far end of the gym. It was a mess of tangled cords, power strips, and tall stacks of empty boxes. From all the companies at the career fair. Nate carefully stepped through the clutter and searched for the sign. The sound of clinking metal got louder. He finally spotted the end of the banner peeking out behind a large pile of empty storage bins. As he got closer, a silver machine came into view. It clamped down on the banner. With claw like hands, and shoved one end of the banner into a storage compartment located in its torso. Balancing on one monster truck wheel, it pulled the rest of the large banner into its body. A metal door slid shut with a snap, closing the banner inside. The machine rolled forward a few inches and surveyed its surroundings with its two large camera lens eyes. Nate stood, mouth hanging open, and stared at the Robo-Robber. Voices for this episode were by the ever-talented Bobby Masio, Michael Rosenbaum, Jessica White, and Dana Sobel. Imaginate theme music by the prestigious Jeffrey Larson. Until next time, Imaginators. And remember, do something crazy every now and then.
1: It's good for you.